Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, Jerry here. Got my beer cracked open. Hope you do too. And ready for a new edition of Soul Ramblings podcast this week. I was telling you this past Sunday, I had the honor and privilege of preaching at my home church, Trinity United Methodist Church in Bradenton, Florida. Got a link to that church in the show notes of this episode and got all of that coming up in case you missed it this past weekend. Some big news happening here at Soul Ramblings Podcast. We are now on TuneIn. Yeah, if you have the TuneIn radio app or the iHeart radio app, we're available on both of those platforms right now. So if you have either one of those, you can hear us there. And we are so happy to be a part of those platforms. Before we get into the sermon about taming our tongue, and that's <laughs> I was I was given the scripture of James chapter three to preach on this past Sunday. And so we talk about taming our tongues and got that coming up before we get to that. Another book that I have read recently, I read this back in January when I had COVID. I did a lot of reading. It was Saving Freedom, Truman, the Cold War, and the Fight for the Future of Europe. And it's written by Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough, as you know, is, or you may not know, I don't know. He is the host of MSNBC's Morning Joe, and he reveals how President Harry Truman defended democracy against the Soviet Union threat uh, during that dawn of the Cold War. And there's an interesting trend in the past 20 years or so of authors of history and biographies taking their subjects and writing about selected parts of their lives. And former congressman and current Morning Joe pundit Joe Scarborough has done this with Harry Truman and the important foreign policy moves he made during his eight years in office. This book, Saving Freedom, Truman, the Cold War, and the Fight Against West, or the Fight for Western Civilization, begins basically after the end of World War II and recounts the beginning of a Cold War with our former ally, the Soviet Union. Now, you're probably familiar with Truman's first few months in office after succeeding Franklin Roosevelt in April of 1945. Truman found out at long last about our development of an atomic bomb. Truman was very clear about the bomb being yet another weapon of choice against the Japanese. He later said he had no doubt in using the two bombs to help facilitate the Japanese surrender. Scarborough looks at how Stalin took advantage of a dying Franklin Roosevelt when they met at Yalta in February 1945 to discuss the coming post-war reorganization of Germany and Europe. Winston Churchill was there, too, but the general assumption was that the post-war world would have two major influences, the United States and the Soviet Union. Truman stepped into the role of Stalin's adversary. Truman also recognized the U.S. couldn't return to its isolationist roots. We had to have a place at the world table and not hide behind the expose of oceans separating us from Europe and Asia. We had to get involved in the post-war world. Scarborough's book is a great read for someone like me who is an armchair historian. And if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to check it out. Saving Freedom, Truman, the Cold War, and the Fight for the Future of Europe by Joe Scarborough. I give it four stars. 
We'll be right back after this short break. You are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. Let's move on to today's episode with Taming the Tongue, a sermon I preached this past Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church in Bradenton, Florida. I'm introduced by our lead pastor, Robert Bledsoe, and then we get into the sermon. Hope you get a blessing out of this. This is Taming the Tongue from this past Sunday. Uh, But I know many of you know uh, Jerry Wicker very well, but for those of you who do not, I want to uh, welcome him to offer our sermon. Jerry serves in a very important role within the life of the church as our lay leader. Uh, Those are church terms for clergy and laity, so he is the leader of the laity in our church. Uh, Another way of describing this is he gets the privilege of sitting on every church committee there is. Uh, So it takes a very, very dedicated person who loves the church a great deal to be in this role, and we are honored to have him and his family be a part of our church. So Jerry, come and offer us this sermon this morning. Well, well, well. Back home again. We'll see what you say when the sermon is over. (laughs) I am honored and humbled to be asked to fill in the pulpit this morning. I do not take that lightly. And I thought I would prepare a nice, uplifting, encouraging, feel-good sermon for you. And then Pastor Robert gave me the scripture And I realized this is positive, this is uplifting, but it is very, very challenging. The reason it is so challenging is because I believe this week in our study of the book of James, in spiritual maturity, this chapter 3 is one where we can all read, and by the time we're done, we go, ouch. because it applies to us. I did not read this scripture this week and say, wow, I'm glad Pastor Rick's going to be there because he needs to hear this. No, I went and looked in the mirror and said, that fella needed to hear this. And so I think it is something that we can all relate to. We are in the second week of a series on the book of James. And as we look at what this small, powerful book has to say to us about coming, becoming more spiritually mature. And this week, James is wanting our faith in Jesus to affect our speech. It got quiet. Got to affect our speech as followers of Jesus. He's been trying to teach us that real faith will produce actions of faith that include what we say and how we say it. 
You ever heard the expression, I remember when I was a child and someone would taunt me or make fun of me and say mean things to me. I would go home, my mother would ask me what's wrong, and I would tell her, and she would say, remember this, Jerry, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that was appropriate. That's a worthy thing to teach young children so as to not let those comments ruin them or ruin their day or destroy them. But as we get older, we realize that expression is not 100% true, is it? Because words can hurt. Names can hurt. They do hurt. And I stand before you today not just to say that words have hurt me before, but I have hurt with my words before. That is not easy for me to admit to. But these things can stay with us for years and years. In this chapter, chapter 3, James establishes that our mouths are unbelievably powerful, directing where we go in life like a rudder on a ship or a bit in a horse's mouth, he says. James also tells us that our mouths are relentlessly destructive, like a spark that turns into a great fire or a poison that could kill. And James tells us that our mouths reveal who we really are. It flawlessly shows what's really going on inside of us. Now let me be clear as we get into today's lesson from James. Our words are not just our spoken words. Not just the words that come out of our mouth, but the words we use in the form of a letter. The words, dare I say, we post on Facebook or social media. Or some other form of communication. Whatever. It reveals what is really on the inside of us and who we are, who we really are. And so with that, James chapter 3, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I want to focus on just four verses, starting with verse 9. And this is from the New Living Translation. Sometimes it, our mouth, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. If you are wise and understand God's ways, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour, pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, then you will be truly wise. Church, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. James says in verse 9, sometimes it, our mouth, praises our Lord and Father. Yeah, there are times we say things to God and about God that praise and bless him. And sometimes we say things about others, other people that praise and bless them. Sometimes we praise God for who he is. Pastor Robert's prayer was a perfect example of that. 
the pastoral prayer. Lord, you are, you are a great God who can do great things. You are all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. You are full of wisdom, knowledge, grace, love, mercy, and justice. Sometimes we thank God for what he has done, and appropriately so. Thank you, God, for forgiving me, for loving me, providing for me, getting me through that tough time, through that valley. Thank you for all the wonderful blessings that you have bestowed upon me throughout my life. Sometimes, like this morning, we gather with other believers and sing praises. We sing and rejoice about God's greatness and goodness, and we've been doing that this morning. However, he goes in verse 9 and gives us the flip side of that coin. The reality is, sometimes it, our mouth, curses those who have been made in the image of God. One moment we're praising God, and the next we're cursing the people he created, he loved, and he died for. Then James gives us the reason why we should not speak these types of words toward other people or about other people. It's because this is the key phrase, and I kind of glossed over this until I really started digging into it. It's because they are made in the image of God. You have never in your life met a person who was not made in the image of God. Whether we like it or not, every human being is made in the image of God. Mm. Then, moves on to verse 10. James says, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. It's it's like we've got verbal schizophrenia. We got our mouth suffers from being bipolar almost. We bless one minute, curse the next. I don't know anybody that has actually done that. I've heard it told to me uh, because I don't want to get in trouble. But I, I, so I don't know the person in this story. I want that to be perfectly clear. But the Christian who is driving down the road on Manatee Avenue, heading to Trinity United Methodist Church to hear a wonderful sermon from either Pastor Rick or Pastor Robert, listening to the Christian radio station and thanking God for the beautiful weather and the just thank you, God, thank you, God. And then some jerk pulls in front of them, makes me slam, makes that person slam on their brakes, and some other words come out. I don't know that person. <laughs> Blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Sometimes one right after the other. Thank you, God. That jerk, why did he cut me off? Right? So James goes on to say, Surely, my brothers and sisters, surely this is not right. 
we bless God and blast away at people. We praise God and pulverize someone with our words. Someone made in his image. We have to come to grips with the fact that our mouths reveal how inconsistent we really can be. This is not right, James says, and it should not be this way. We must never be satisfied with this in our life. Yet so many of us don't even realize we do it. Then in verses 11 and 12, James gives us three illustrations from nature to show how illogical and incompatible this double talk among believers is. All three are in the form of rhetorical questions that expect the answer of no. In other words, that first question in verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? No. The principle James is driving home here is a product is always consistent with its source. That's the point he's trying to make. When you find fresh water bubbling up somewhere, you know that the source is fresh water. When you come across bitter or contaminated water coming out somewhere, you know the source is bitter and contaminated. What's produced always matches the source. What you end up with shows what you started with. That's the point he's trying to make. It's the same with our mouths and our words. What you say and how you say it indicates what kind of heart lies behind it. Didn't Jesus say, out of the heart, our words come? We reveal what's in our heart. It shows us what's really going on under the surface. If you want to know what someone is really like, and I have found this the older I get to be true, if you want to find out what someone is really like, spend some time just listening to them talk. Listen to the words. Listen to the attitude. Listen to the way they're saying it. You'll see the source will be revealed. Want to find out what you're like? Listen to the way you talk. Hmm. I may have to kick off my own shoes, stepping on my own toes. To hammer this point even further, James asks another rhetorical question in verse 12. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. So the spring water, that illustration shows us the source. The tree and grapevine emphasize that what is produced is a thing's nature. In other words, by nature, a fig tree will produce figs. By nature, a grapevine will produce grapes. By nature, an apple tree will produce apples. By nature, a Christian should produce good speech. Again, to drive that truth even deeper into our lives, James ends verse 12 by saying, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James is wanting us to take this seriously. He's trying to get us to ask ourselves, from where is this inconsistent speech coming? Or if we're consistently negative, deceitful, or bitter, 
we have to consider what our words reveal about our hearts. I've told this story to you before, but uh, several years ago, Beth and I, when we still lived in Tennessee, we were a part of a church, and it was a lady, love her dearly. Uh, this lady was also a negative Nancy, if, if you know what I'm talking about. She rarely had anything uplifting to say, and she was the kind of person that if you came up to her and said, wow, it is a beautiful day outside, she would respond with, yeah, but it's raining somewhere. <laughs> right? It reveals what's in our hearts. Don't just shrug this off and move on. Let that sink in. Whatever comes up out of the bucket reveals what's down in the well. James is trying to tell us that our words display who we really are. Problems, stress, troubles, and trials. Folks, I don't know if you know this or not. You probably know it better than I do. Those are going to happen. That's going to happen in life. Jesus told us as much. In this world, you will have trouble, tribulations, right? Didn't say if you're a believer, you're not going to have them. No, he didn't say that. Those are going to happen. But it does reveal when we go through those, it does reveal what's in our heart, how we respond to that. What do, what do you say when you're stressed? What do you say to the people in your life when you're aggravated, annoyed, frustrated, and angry? What comes out of your mouth? And then James turns and talks about wisdom. He uses a large section of chapter 3 to address how our words direct where we go in our lives. They can destroy what we have in life, and they display who we really are. He goes straight into talking about wisdom. And for James and us, part of the solution to our bipolar mouth, that verbal schizophrenia that we have, is filling our hearts and minds with God's truth and God's wisdom. In the New Revised Standard Version, verse 13, James asks another rhetorical question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. One of the reasons why our mouth says things that don't honor God or those around us is because we're speaking out of earthly wisdom rather than heavenly wisdom. Well, Jerry, that sounds great, but how do I do that? I want, I'm a, uh, Pastor Robert and I had, had been texting with one another about something one day, and he said something that stuck with me. He said, I am a practical theologian, and I like that. Practical. All right. I agree with everything that's said here, but how do I do that? How do I put that into practice? Because I want to do it. As believers in Jesus, we have the privilege of showing the nature and characteristics of Jesus to people who do not yet know him. It's a huge responsibility, and we must be authentic. So often, all that people will know about Jesus will come from what they see in us. 
Beth, my wife, uses this phrase, most times you are the only Bible that some people have ever read. Think about that. Folks are not looking up to find God or find Jesus. They're looking around. What difference does it make in your life? I can't help but return to Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, and it's verses 14 through 21. And he says this, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. So what is, what is Paul telling us there? He's telling us the how-to, the practical part. He wants us to be honest with ourselves and with God. We see our need for God, so we pray. We want the wisdom to control our tongues. We can't do it on our own. That's what Paul's talking about there. We lack the power to do it on our own. So in his prayer, Paul compels us to first pray for strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives if we're going to control our tongues with wisdom. Second, pray that our relationship with God would grow deeper and deeper, that our intimacy with God would increase. Third, as a result of that increased in intimacy, pray that we would grasp how tremendous the love of God is. And finally, pray that we would be filled with the fullness of God. That's the how-to. Pray that and watch what God does. The tongue is a small thing, but it has great power. James reminds us that even the greatest fires were started with a tiny spark. In all of our actions as Christians, the many ways we demonstrate Christ's love in the world the way we use our words might be the most powerful thing. So this week, got some homework for you before next week. This week, reflect on the times you've experienced that harsh reality with your own words and with words that were said to you by others. How have we continued to carry those comments around? And how have we let them reshape our lives? In the same way, let us pray for God to give us the strength to use our words wisely so that we may build people up.
rather than break them down. Offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got a blessing out of that. Crack open another beer with me as we wrap up today's episode. And remember that you can also hear us on TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio as well. We are now on those formats and hopefully more and more uh, formats coming in the very near future. You can go to our Facebook page, like us there and follow us there. You can also, we also have an Instagram account. You can do the same thing there. We would be oh so appreciative if you would go there and like and follow us. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And remember to keep your mind on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. I'm Jerry Wicker. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast, grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Mm -hmm.